on April 22, 1970, Earth Day was first celebrated in the United States, calling for the defense of our planet from environmental devastation. Since then, millions of people around the world continue to mark the event annually on April 22. In 1969, a catastrophic oil spill took place off the coast of Santa Barbara, California, where a blowout at an offshore field released up to 100,000 barrels into the Pacific Ocean. At the time, it was the largest oil spill in U.S. history. In response to the disaster, a peace campaigner, John McConnell, called for immediate action, including environmental regulations. At a UNESCO conference held in San Francisco later that year, McConnell proposed the creation of Earth Day, serving as a day for all to honor our planet and demand protections for it. Earth Day was first set to be celebrated on March 21, 1970, which corresponds to the first day of spring. However, it was later moved to April 22, 1970, when McConnell and Dennis Hayes, who was a young student activist, organized teach-ins and demonstrations across the U.S. on that day. Thousands of colleges and universities organized protests against environmental devastation, and millions of people across the U.S. also took to the streets. It was a fusion of movements that had been campaigning against oil spills, toxic dumps, pesticides, freeways, polluting factories, raw sewage, the destruction of forests, and the extinction of wildlife. By the end of 1970, the administration of Richard Nixon was pressed to create the Federal Environmental Protection Agency. Shortly thereafter, important environmental protection laws were passed, including the National Environmental Education Act, the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act, and the Endangered Species Act. These regulations have protected millions from death and disease while also preserving their surrounding environments. By 1990, Earth Day was celebrated in over 130 uh, countries. However, we saw a lot of rollback of environmental protections in the previous administration under Donald Trump. Today, 50 years later, the environmental crisis is just as serious as ever. On Thursday, April 22nd, U.S. President Joe Biden announced plans to slash greenhouse gas emissions in nearly half by 2030 as part of his new commitment to the Paris Climate Agreement. Let us go to a clip now about the politics of Joe Biden's climate agenda. It's from Politico. One of his first acts as president was to announce the climate summit that will happen starting on Earth Day, Thursday, April 22nd, uh, a two-day virtual conference where Joe Biden has invited uh, some three dozen world leaders. And probably the most important thing at the White House climate summit this week will be Biden's announcement of a new emissions goal. So to back up for a second, the Paris Agreement uh, requires every signatory to come up with an emissions goal. And the way that the scientists 
have formulated this is it's a reduction of greenhouse emissions from 2005 numbers by 2030. So most climate experts believe that the United States needs to announce a goal of a 50% reduction, that's 50% below 2005 emissions, by 2030. This uh, climate target is known as the nationally determined contribution. That's the language from the Paris Agreement. And the goal of this is to keep the planet from warming another 1.5 degrees Celsius. Anything below 50% that Biden announces is going to be looked at with uh, not a great deal of enthusiasm uh, from people who care about this issue. It matters for two reasons. One, it'll be a signal domestically to how uh, much this administration really cares about climate change. But two, and probably more importantly, it's a signal internationally to how serious America takes climate change. One subplot to watch for at the climate summit this week is the relationship between the United States and China. Biden is coming into office with a pretty hawkish attitude towards China, uh, but he's trying to balance that with a need to get cooperation from China on a lot of important issues, one of which is climate change. So John Kerry, Biden's international climate envoy, was the first senior administration official to travel to China. And the reports of his trip this week were that it was a pretty productive meeting and that he and his Chinese counterparts saw eye to eye on a few issues. The climate conference this week is virtual. President, Chinese President Xi is supposed to be there and watch to see um, how the United States and the Chinese interact on this issue and whether it's more cooperative or confrontational. So after Joe Biden uh, announced that the United States was returning to the Paris Agreement and after he called for a climate summit in uh, this, this month, um, he put forward a pretty um, large climate-focused infrastructure plan, the American Jobs Plan. It's almost $2.5 trillion worth of spending, but about 50% of that spending has some kind of climate focus to it. All righty, there you go. So um, on this Earth Day, over 40 world leaders, and yes, Chinese President Xi Jinping uh, is attending. Also, Russian President Vladimir uh, Putin. Of course, this is all being held virtually. The other world leaders of large nations will attend, including India's uh, Modi, Brazil's uh, Bolsonaro, Japan's Suga, and Germany's Angela Merkel. Meanwhile, smaller impoverished nations, um, impoverished by capitalism, imperialism, and colonialism, have expressed concern that their demands for financial financial assistance in tackling climate change will go unmet. Impoverished countries were promised $100 billion a year in climate finance from 2020, more than a decade ago at the troubled Copenhagen Climate Summit in 2009. However, that decades-long commitment repeated in the 2015 Paris Agreement was never, ever met. I'd like to welcome our guest now, uh, Paul 
Paula uh, Gioa. Um, and Paula is an environmentalist, um, part of the German branch of Via Campesina. La Via Campesina is a global movement of over 200 million small-scale food producers, land and migrant workers, indigenous peoples, rural women, and youth who are fighting for food sovereignty and agroecology as true solutions to the climate crisis. Paula is a European representative in the International Coordination Committee of La Via Campesina. Uh, Paula is a peasant farmer and a beekeeper. Paula, thank you for joining us. Hello. Thanks very much for the invitation. <laughs> Okay, and uh, all the best to Earth Day uh, to you. And uh, Paula, um, first, your thoughts that, as I said, a number of environmentalists have been critical of the Paris Climate Accord for being not enough, for being way too weak. And people are also um, very much opposed to what they're calling false solutions to the climate crisis. Your thoughts on both of these? Yes, definitely. Uh, the Paris Agreement is not enough. No, it's also important to consider that uh, many of the actors no, uh, uh, being around this uh, negotiations uh, table are the ones who are uh, mostly contributing to all the pollution. No, So it's not only the states, there's quite a lot of influence from corporations. Uh, when it comes to agriculture, they are the ones uh, pushing forward some uh, kind of solutions they call, no, but uh, that from our point of view, they are clearly false solutions, no, they are solutions uh, actually uh, aiming their own profit, no, and not really uh, the reduction of emissions, no, uh, not uh, aiming climate justice, no, not aiming, um, yeah, uh, yeah, future for, for humanity uh, in the earth, no, but uh, their own profit, so... Uh, we definitely think that uh, when we talk about uh, climate, we have to, to bring the justice dimension into it. You know? um, uh, we have to consider the ones who are on the front line. Uh, we have to consider the uh, front line solutions to that. And in terms of agriculture, we have to consider that agriculture is responsible for around 50 percent you know, of all the greenhouse gas emissions, you know, so um, agriculture is extremely important to take into account when we talk about solutions, um, but we have to talk about the right solutions for that, and uh, they are not the ones put forward by member states, you know, influenced by corporate power. Yeah, and what about uh, these false solutions as well? I mean, I'm reading a headline uh, today um, from Fortune magazine um, that says PepsiCo is betting on big on regenerative agriculture. So increasingly, at least in the United States, we're seeing ads from Chevron, from big oil companies, from British Petroleum, etc. And now PepsiCo talking about how green they are and how much they're doing for the environment. I mean, your thoughts on this? I mean, is it really possible for these multinational corporations to continue to make the profit that they are making 
and some way, somehow become green and protect the planet. Paula. Yes, uh, from our point of view, this is uh, the so-called uh, so uh, greenwashing, no? Uh, they put forward uh, very fancy names as solutions, no? Like climate smart agriculture, uh, for example, no? Um, and uh, they are all based, for example, in the uh, quite a lot on high tech, no? In the digitalization, industrialization of agriculture and so on. Um, but, uh, and, and of course, they, they have a discourse saying why this is uh, good for the, for, the, for the environment because it needs less, um, uh, you have to work less land and so on, but uh, at the same time you have to use much more, uh, or you have to use uh, agrochemicals no, to compensate it. Um, so in the end, uh, all these uh, solutions, they, uh, they, they go on the cost of, you know, autonomy of uh, peasants, no? Uh, they go on the cost of uh, losing biodiversity, no? Uh, and all these are things that are, would be important no, when we consider uh, really uh, a reduction of uh, greenhouse gas emissions, no? It's not uh, about digitalizing everything, and then uh, we have the solution, no? Um, so we as Via Campesina are putting forward, uh, for example, uh, the ideas of food sovereignty, of uh, just transition of agroecology, you know. So uh, it's not only about uh, the practices, uh, how we uh, conduct agriculture, it's also about this, you know, uh, taking into account, uh, for example, our, our traditional knowledge and so on. Um, but it's also about social relations uh, with uh, the environment, uh, I mean, the relations with the environment, but also the social relations with our local community, you know. So um, producing for the global market, you know, uh, through industrialized agriculture is not a solution. We have to focus our local market. So uh, everything is connected, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, how we have been... Uh, putting forward our, our real solutions for, for the whole problem. There is a proposal that has come out from the Green New Deal for Europe demanding a care income for people, an income for people who are doing caring work for each other, but also caring for the environment. I don't know if you have know about it or have discussed it, but I wonder if you have any uh, quick thoughts on that. Hello. Yeah, I think uh, maybe um, I, I, that's uh, quite interesting uh, what the European Union uh, is doing. Now, on one hand, they are coming uh, with proposals as the Green Deal, where we have uh, the, the farm to fork strategy you know, and the biodiversity strategy, which are actually quite, uh, quite uh, yeah, progressive and quite interesting and which we very much uh, agree with. At the same time, the European, uh, the European Union is right now uh, almost finalizing the, the reform of the common agriculture policy, you know? um, and both are not coherent with each other. You know? um, so what we as European uh, coordination Vietnam, are trying to, to do is like, to demand a policy coherence in, 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 within the European Union. You know? uh, we think it's extremely important to have... Uh, fair conditions, you know, for, 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 for peasants, for land workers, and, and so on. And at the same time, you know, uh, 
to um, to have um, um, kind of uh, the promotion of um, uh, environment standards in agriculture as well. No, and at the moment, what we see is this incoherence in the negotiations of the common agriculture policy uh, and the European uh, Green Deal. Um, yeah, both coming from the uh, European Union. Right. Yes. Yes. I, I I understand, and I think there is a difference with this Green New Deal for Europe and what's coming out of the European Parliament. But we will continue this uh, conversation. Uh, Paula Ajioa, who is with uh, Via Campesina of uh, Germany. Those of you who want to find out more about Via Campesino, you could look them up. They're doing a lot of work, not only in Germany and other parts of Europe, but around the world. Paula, thank you so very much for joining us and for your work. Thank you.